At this time, Ethan's going to come around and bring us a special. As I lay me down, heaven hear me now. I'm lost without a after giving it my all, winter storms have come and darken my sun. After all that I've been through, who on earth can I turn to? I look to you. When all my strength is gone In you I can be strong I look to you I look to you And when melodies are gone In you I hear a song Fighting there, sinking the eyes no more, searching for that open door. And every road that I've taken has led to my regret. No, and I don't know if I'm gonna make it. Nothing to do but lift my head and look to you. I look to you, yeah. After all my strength is gone, and you I can be strong. I look to you, I look And when melodies are gone, you are here a song. I look to you, my levees are broken. Walls come down, tumbling down on me. And the rain is falling, defeat is calling. I need you to set me free. Take me far. strength is gone you I can be strong I look to you I look to you
microphone bend it all out of shape but uh if you was listening to his preaching he bent you all out of shape and uh so he preached hard preached the word of god and it was powerful because it was the word of god and uh so i'd swap mics brother denby had that other mic this is adjusted a little bit different let's go ahead and go to the book of luke and again wonderful wonderful to see each and every one, powerful song. Thank you, uh, Andrew and Melissa and Caleb. Uh, awesome. And Ethan, always a joy to have you here. And awesome whenever you can share a special with us. And as we look to God's holy word, there is uh, just an awesome story of a risen Savior. And it is recorded in all four Gospels. Interesting account. And a little different viewpoint in each of them. I ask you all to stand for the reading of God's holy word as we read together. In the gospel according to Luke chapter 24, we'll begin in verse 31. And their eyes were opened and they knew him and he vanished out of their sight and they said one to another, did not our heart burn within us while he talked with us by the way and while he opened to us the scriptures? And they rose up the same hour and returned to Jerusalem and found the eleven gathered together and them that were with him, saying, The Lord is risen indeed and hath appeared to Simon. And they told what things were done in the way and how he was known of them and breaking of bread. Let's pray. Father, I thank you for your word. I thank you for the opportunity to celebrate your resurrection. In Jesus' name, amen. You may be seated. Thank you for honoring the Lord and reading his word. The key verse in this whole passage, and uh, uh, by the way, if you're, if you're crowded, you won't, uh, you won't slow me down from preaching if you want to move up here where there's elbow room. And uh, so we got plenty of it. But y'all are Baptist, aren't you? And uh, y'all like the back. It's all right. I can, I'll reach all the way back there uh, from the front to the back. But we have a lot of elbow room up here, don't we? So lots of, they're just like, hey, look at me. 
But again, wonderful again to see you. The resurrection, the key verse in this part here is verse 34, which is this. The Lord is risen indeed. The word indeed literally means just, it, it, it's true. It's, that is it. He's really risen. It's a reality. He's the Lord is risen indeed. It's a real fact. As we begin looking at this simple title, this simple right out of the Bible, you can't go wrong with a title just right out of God's Word. He's risen indeed. And let's just talk about the resurrection before we uh, follow along. And just looking at this, before the resurrection, Christianity was a question mark for many. You know, think about this. Basically, many thought, many thought Jesus was just a popular country boy from Nazareth, and he went around, wowed the crowd with some miracles, some newfangled ideas, but many thought maybe he was a blasphemous hoax. Matter of fact, the religious leaders of the day said that he was doing the miracles by the power of Satan. They talked about him. They ran him down. Now think about this. This was the Son of God, in the flesh, and people are denouncing him, they're calling him names. Is this just a simple passing fad? You know, I'm thinking about everything that he went through, his followers, on the other hand, had a different idea. His followers said, he is the real deal. He's the Messiah. And that's what you and I believe with all, my, all of our hearts. And as I was following along the words, and I, and I like that, I was, uh, you know, I often hear uh, people, different people sing a special, and uh, I think anything we have is this. Matter of fact, the sound system's a great tool. Brother Jeff likes it when it works, <laughs> don't we all? And uh, he never gets any attention unless it doesn't work. <laughs> then we're all looking at him, Jeff, what'd you do? You know, and all these tools, and we have these words on the screen, and basically all it is is a tool so you can follow along. And all of these tools to share the gospel, think about these guys turn the world upside down without any electricity. <laughs> they didn't even have electricity. They turn the world upside down without any fancy stuff. But folks, again, it's not, tools are great. Sound system's great. Don't you like padded pews? All those things are great. You're sitting on them right now. All these things are great, but all of these are just tools to do what? To share a gospel about a risen Savior. But folks, many people in the world today believe about a risen Savior. They really do. They believe it's a fact, but they have not accepted Him as their personal Savior. Folks, when you get saved, when you ask the Lord to save you, He becomes your personal Savior, and it's a life-changing event whenever it occurs. Now, first of all, I just want to talk briefly about the price that He paid. And I picked out some things, whether you follow along up here, whether you follow along in your bulletin, or you just look at all these verses I'm going to share with you, there, these are some obscure things that God used and recorded in His Word to tell or to give the gospel, the good news, 
His Son, Jesus, shed His blood and was nailed to a cross so that you and I could have a way into heaven. You and I can go to heaven. The very first thing that I want to talk about the price He paid was the nails. He was nailed to the cross. Now, how many of you have, have you ever seen a picture and, uh, of, um, a person on the cross maybe depicting Jesus? How many of you ever seen a picture where the person was roped to the cross? Anybody ever seen a picture where Jesus was roped to a cross? Now, then, then, then that is true. They might have used some ropes. Uh, to help support the body initially or this and that. And it was common in history, if you read about it, that they used ropes in addition to nails. But did you know there are two very, and it's only two times, only two times in the whole Bible. Uh, think about this, Brother Steve. Just two verses that God chose. And I want to show you both of them today. Okay, whether you're looking at your paper and ink, whether you're looking at the screen, doesn't matter. These two verses, very significant. The very first one is in, in the Gospel of John, chapter 20, and verse 5. Now, why, is, why, why did God, what did He have to say about the nails? And matter of fact, it says here in John, chapter 20, verse 25, The other disciples therefore said unto Him, We've seen Him! He's alive. But he said unto them, this is Thomas, doubting Thomas, he says this, except I see in his hands the print of the nails and put my finger in the print of the nails and thrust my hand into his, to his side, I will not believe. Folks, there's a lot of people who won't believe the gospel because they doubt. Folks, it's okay. I really say that. It's okay to doubt. Because guess what? If you look at the evidence, you won't be a doubter anymore. If you look at the Word and believe His Word, it's a, folks, doubt is a part of human nature. Doubt is a part of life. But folks, once you accept Jesus Christ as your Savior, all your doubts will be done away with. Now folks, I've, I've counseled with many people, even after they get saved, they doubt. I just doubt my salvation. It's, folks, it was even people in the Bible doubted. Matter of fact, the very last chapter after they, after they saw him go up into heaven, it says, well, they were gathered on the hill at the ascension in Matthew 28, it says some doubted. Even then, some doubted. That's, you just have to deal with doubt. Doubt is a part of life. Doubt is a part of your flesh. But folks, when you see a risen Savior, no more doubt. No more doubt. Now, there is another neat verse. Speaking of, you know, all this is uh, thinking about uh, permanence. Did you know that that scar it made is permanent? How many, of you have, how many of you have a scar somewhere on your body? You do? You get, whether you had surgery or something, guess what? You know what? That's permanent. That's permanent. And uh, they, you know, they people. Uh, some people get tattoos today. You're not getting near me with a needle. No way in the world. You, <laughs> not and not even a shot. I'll I'll try to avoid that if I can. But you know what? Uh, they that that's permanent. It's it's permanent. And they can remove it, but there's a permanent scar in place of that. They do the best they can. But did you know that that nail print meant permanence? 
Did you know that Jesus Christ is permanently a Savior, whether you accept Him or not? And once you get saved, you have permanent life. If you can erase those nail prints. Hey, just like this wall right over here, this wall right over here, y'all don't know it, but y'all know what is a painter's best friend? Caulk. Caulk is a painter's best friend. We're just to have our auditorium repainted. They're supposed to be here. You know how construction people are. If you know, if you're one of them, I'm just sorry. I know, you know, they're delayed, but they're supposed to start repainting our auditorium Tuesday. And all of that's, you know, starting to come in and later on, supposed to uh, get started with rewiring sounds and we don't have these big old black boxes up here anymore. We can get all that taken care of. But you know what caulk does? It covers up an imperfection, maybe a nail hole or something like that. But did you know what? Even though you covered up, it's still there. It's still there. And folks, all I'm saying is the nail represents permanence. And as you keep looking in God's Word, in the book of Colossians, uh, chapter 2, verse 14, a very powerful scripture talking about the nails is found right here. It says, what the work that Jesus did, the blotting out of the handwriting of the ordinance is talking about the law, means we're lost, we need a Savior, that was against us, which was contrary to us, Jesus took it out of the way, how? Nailing it to the cross. Isn't that neat? That's the only two times in the entire Bible that it mentions the nails. Also, I want you to think about these other things that are used by the Lord. Uh, and this sounds gross, but I'm just going to say it because it's in there. It's just part of it, and that's called spit. Yep, spit is in the Bible. And uh, there's a bunch of it, as a matter of fact. In Matthew chapter 26 and verse 67, it says here, and there's a bunch of places you can look at it. But how did God use spit? Well, He allowed His Son, Jesus Christ, to be spit on. In verse 67 it says, They did spit in His face. Now, you can beat somebody up all day long. But this is something very common. If you want to demean somebody, and basically, as one country boy said, if you want to hurt somebody's heart, spit on them means I despise you. You're worthless. You're no good. And guess what they did to my Savior and your Savior? The Bible says they not only spit on Him, but they spit in His face. They slapped Him. They beat Him. That's another way you can demean somebody. And folks... The people in this world, and even people in here, there are people in this room, and you have demeaned somebody. And I didn't say be mean, I said demeaned. You put others down. You can put others down in a, in a variety of ways, but that's your flesh, and you're acting just like those soldiers if you've ever done that. Folks, we've all done that to a degree. You know, growing up, you can have a mean older brother or sister. And I was that way toward my sister. Felt real bad later, especially after I got saved. Realized that, uh, you know, a lot of us take advantage of people. And folks, that's the way the world is. 
And these evil, no folks, think about this, these evil Roman soldiers, the crowd demonstrated their hate toward our Savior. Did you know there's no record anywhere in God's Word that Jesus wiped the spit off? He took it to the cross. He did. Think about it. Think about it. He took their curses, their bruises. He took the scars. He took them all to the cross. He was hurt and blasphemed, put down. He, folks, he was hurting from the top of his head where the crown of thorns went in to the bottom of his feet where the nails came out. And he was also hurting in his heart. But he did it anyway because he loves you and loves me. Think also about the blood and the water. This will be the last thing we looked at on what, talking about the price that he paid in John chapter uh, 13, and, uh, or actually 19, verse 34. The Word of God says this, uh, so he died, he gave up the ghost. Uh, matter of fact, if you think about just, you know, verse 30, he says it's finished. That they're going around, they're breaking the legs, that's, that's the only way they could get any breathing going on. To stand up, push up, they're trying to breathe. He's crying out, Father, forgive them, for they know not what they do. He said, Eli, Eli, lama sabachthani, why? which is translated, My God, my God, why hast thou forsaken me? He said all those things. Matter of fact, there's seven sayings that recorded that Jesus said on the cross. And they came around to kill him. And the Bible says this. One of the soldiers with a spear pierced his side. You know what that tells me and tells you? He was up out of reach. That's the reason he had to use a spear. Okay? He was up, elevated. And forthwith came out water and blood. Now, some have suggested, and it could very well be true, that that's what actually caused Jesus' life to expire. What actually caused his heart to stop beating? Some say it was maybe congestive heart failure because congestive heart failure is the buildup of fluid around the heart and lungs and this and that. But whatever it is, I know this. Jesus gave up the ghost. Matter of fact, I love the way it says it in John chapter 10. It says it this way. He says, nobody takes my life from me. I lay it down. So he did give up his life for you and I. In other words, he allowed that to happen. You see, the way he did it, he knew that the beating, the, the mockery, everything would take its toll on that perfect body. Did you know that Jesus' body was without blemish? It was without blemish for you and I. Everything he did, he died. He bled out. I think he literally bled out. And the blood that was in his veins was the very blood of heaven. Because that where that DNA came from, you say, well, Mary contributed 23 of those chromosomes, but the Heavenly Father contributed the others. And He put it all in there. The very blood of heaven ran through His veins. And uh, <clears throat> so it's pr pretty interesting, a neat study. So all of that was done for you and for me. The resurrection, of course, we think about our text verse which he told them, they're talking about these two disciples on the road to Emmaus. Hey guys, he's really alive! He's really alive! He's out of the grave! We saw him! We had supper with him! And uh, so that was a cool event that they got to experience. Did you know the resurrection? Without the resurrection, we're, what are we doing here? 
Without the resurrection, there's no hope. And everybody over here in Promised Land Cemetery is going to stay there. And there's not anybody, there's no use in life if there's no resurrection from the dead. You know, every doctrine, every miracle, everything He did was proof it had to hinge on the resurrection. Think about it. All of everything He did would be a waste without the resurrection. No leader, and I don't call Christianity, I don't like the word religious, but no religious leader or movement has ever had a leader die and then rise again. Jesus is the only one. Now, a lot of people wonder, you know, well, why did, you know, and it's okay, like I say, some people say, well, you shouldn't doubt. You shouldn't question. Matter of fact, I think Jesus is just the opposite. I think He says, bring it on. He told Thomas, and when He showed up to Thomas, He didn't say, stop your doubting and your whining. He said, you doubting? Well, hey, if you want to touch me, touch me. Matter of fact, He told him, He said, reach hither thy finger. If you, if you, it's okay to doubt, just but take a peek. Examine it. See if... I mean, there's been many atheists, famous atheists, like Chuck Swindoll, different ones, and... Uh, that have studied the gospel, Lee Strobel, and uh, actually not Chuck Swindoll, it was Josh McDowell, who wrote uh, More Than a Carpenter. A lot of people think, well, he's just a carpenter, just a good teacher that lived one day. But think about this. Everything he did was for the resurrection. Now, the Bible said, now think about this. Why did he have to do it this way? Number one, God says, this is why I'm going to do it. I'm going to give myself as a man... To be a sacrifice. That's the only way it's going to happen. All sin can be paid for. Think about it. Now, how many people have ever lived? Well, my goodness. Right now, there's close to 7 billion people on this planet right now. Now, think about this. How many people from Adam... Did you know there's going to be a last person someday? A last soul. There's got to be. Okay? Jesus said, I mean, the Bible bears this out. It gives us a, a timeline. We don't know when everything's going to take place, but nevertheless. So ever how many people died, Jesus bled and died and rose again for everybody. Every sin that's ever been committed. It has to be. Matter of fact, for God so loved a certain amount of people? No, for God so loved the world. What does it also say in 2 Peter 3, 9? He's not willing that any should perish, but that all should come to repentance. And so, what is the purpose of the resurrection? If you'd like to look at it, the Bible does give us a little bit of instruction. Okay? <clears throat> Romans chapter 1, and uh, verses 1 through 4, real quick, says this. Paul, a servant of Jesus Christ, called to be an apostle, separated unto the gospel of God, which he had promised afore by his prophets in the Holy Scriptures. Talking about the Old Testament. Concerning his son Jesus Christ our Lord, which was made of the seed of David according to the flesh. That, in other words, that's how he got here. Verse 4. And declared to be the Son of God with power according to the Spirit of holiness, 
by the resurrection of the dead. So in other words, he proved, according to verse 4, declared to be the Son of God. He proved he was the Son of God. How? By the resurrection from the dead. To prove and to show he was who he said he was. And uh, matter of fact, uh, uh, Matthew chapter 28, verse 6, it basically says that he was, Hey, listen, I said I was going to rise from the grave. And it says, just like he said. And he guess what? He did what he said he was going to do. Now, quickly, I want to head to First uh, Corinthians uh, chapter uh, 15 and verse 20. And uh, this, in other words, what, what are all the rest of these scriptures? Well, the rest of these scriptures are this. That uh, we're, number one, we're going to be resurrected ourselves and there's importance to it. In 1 Corinthians chapter 15, verse 20, the Word of God says this. Now this is so that Jesus was resurrected so we could be resurrected. But now is Christ risen from the dead and become the first fruits of them that slept. For since by man came death, talking about Adam, and by man, Jesus, came also the resurrection of the dead. For as in Adam all die, that harmonizes with another scripture that says we got our sin nature from Adam. Even so in Christ shall all be made alive. Verse 23 says this, But every man in his own order. You know what that means? In his own time. Christ, the first fruits, He was the very first one to die and then rise again in a glorified body. A heavenly body. And then it says, and afterward, they that are Christ at His coming. So, you know what this tells me? It tells you right there, if you're reading it or looking at it right here, this tells me, it tells you, when do you get your new body? At His coming. So, He got it first. You, you say, well, Brother Michael, doesn't the Bible say there's other people that rose from the grave? Yeah, it does. But guess what? They died again. Isn't that a bummer? Ah, uh, that's right. Jesus is still alive and in a glorified body. And it talks about that in other places. But what am I telling you all this for? Why did Jesus have to rise physically from the grave? So that you and I could have a new life one day. And then, then lastly, on the uh, why should we uh, have this? And that is, why, should, why is the resurrection important? In 1 Corinthians chapter 15, verse 13 and 14, it says, But if there be no resurrection of the dead, then is Christ not risen. And if Christ be not risen, then our preaching vain and your faith is in vain. Ran across, the, across this very interesting quote from a, a, a Yale professor who said this, if Christ is risen, nothing else matters. And if Christ is not risen, nothing else matters. Does that, that make sense? If Christ is alive today, He's the only reason for anything. Nothing else matters. And if Christ is not alive today, 
Well, then nothing else matters. Because did you know that? That means that we're all just going to die and there's no hope of anything. No hope of anything whatsoever. I do want you to look at one other passage. I don't think it's in your your outline and your... Uh... <clears throat> in your bulletin. But there's two verses that I want to finish with this morning. And that is 1 Peter chapter 2 and verse 24. 1 Peter chapter 2 and verse 24, the Word of God says this, "...who his own self bear our sins in his own body on the tree, that we being dead to sin should live unto righteousness by whose stripes..." Ye were healed. And then first, and this kind of a, a first cousin to it, and that is, uh, uh, first Peter chapter three and verse eighteen, just right across the page in my Bible. First Peter three eighteen says this, for Christ also hath once suffered for sins, the just, that's him, for the unjust, that's us, that he might bring us to God, being put to death in the flesh, but quickened by the Spirit. You know, these last two verses that I wanted, that I wanted to share with you, the reason that you're facing what you're facing right now, and that is, uh, it says, you see, Jesus suffered for you and I. He suffered and died, bled and died for you and me, so that you and I could go to heaven who bear our sins in His own body on the tree. And then also, verse 18 says, For Christ also hath once suffered for sins. And He only had to do it once. For us. The just Him for the unjust. That's us. As we prepare for a hymn of invitation, whatever the Lord may be laying on your heart this morning, Folks, do you know if you were to die today where you would live forever for eternity? You're going to live forever somewhere. It does. The Bible bears that out. We're going to live forever in heaven or we're going to live forever in hell. It's way too hot down there. we got air conditioning here, but you know what? Ain't none there. There is a place called heaven. Well, we love to talk about that one. There's a lot of songs. How many songs are written about hell? They may mention it. That's not too exciting. We don't like to talk about That's bad news, preacher. Don't preach about bad news. Just preach about Jesus. He's alive. But folks, have you ever accepted Him as your Savior? Now there may be somebody here. For this way, hey, it's way before lunch, so I can just I can just take this invitation a while. <laughs> but hey, listen, no, that's not the point. The point is this: there's somebody here this morning that you believe all these facts up here. You say, preacher, I, yeah, I believe. I believe in God. I believe Jesus. I believe He died, and I believe He rose again. But did you know believing up here doesn't save you? You must. Actually, ask Him to be your Savior. So, well, why should I do that? He just should save everybody. Now, He says, we have to realize, number one, why we need a Savior. We're sinners. 
That's the reason He did all that. I'm a sinner. We're all sinners. And so you must say, Lord, I, man, I have messed up. It's kind of like, you know, it's kind of like this. If any of you, hey, if any of you have a husband or a wife or a relationship, a friend or somebody, and something happens and you say, and you have to apologize to them. I don't know anybody in this room that gets very excited. Oh, yeah, I get to apologize to Karen. I get to tell her. I'm No, it's a very humbling experience. You have to literally, I have to, and she, and she of course, is like, yeah, <laughs> come on. Bring it on, yeah. You you bet you know you're wrong, Michael. And you know, and I said, I go to Karen and I say, I'm. Remember, anybody remember the show Happy Days, Fonzie? Only those that are like forty and up, yeah. And the reruns, and uh, so. But anyway, he never could say the word that starts with an S. I'm sorry. I'm and it's hard. Hey, listen. If it's hard for a husband and wife, and, and you know, say, well, it's easy. Well, then you you work to get there. Okay, all right. But it's called communication, and you communicate that I messed up. I'm sorry, folks. If you've never done that to God, you're lost. Did you hear the words I just said? If you've never Done that to God. But you didn't get saved unless you told Him. Now, you don't have to, you can phrase it any way you want to. But say, Lord, I'm a sinner. I need you as my Savior. Say it ever how you want to. He's your Savior. You got to go to Him and ask Him. Ask Him to save you. You can go to heaven. Father, I thank you for this opportunity. Help us to put you on the throne of our heart. In Jesus' name, Amen.